Hi, you're listening to Are Aliens Real? The Hunt for Extraterrestrial Life, Part 1. Many of us sometimes wonder if we are alone in the universe. The universe is too vast and probabilities are so high, or are they, that life in some form must exist elsewhere. Then why haven't we found life yet? We'll explore something called Fermi's Paradox below. An attempt to analyze whether such a paradox is really a paradox after all. We will also cover some of the vast array of technologies being used and built to help us discover any life close enough to Earth to detect. For example, one of the primary routes being used by scientists to identify signatures of other intelligent life is by analyzing radio waves in order to find particular signatures or patterns which could conceivably be construed as messages. By one estimate from Time magazine, we could find extraterrestrial life by 2040, given how quickly we're able to process the data from these inbound radio waves and all of the AI that's coming into uh, the technology space with um, being able to crunch a lot of data so quickly. So by 2040, that'll be the same year as a new presidential election, just in time for a Martian to run as an independent third-party candidate. So what is intelligent life anyway? So there's been an extraordinary amount of research and research dollars being poured into the identification of UFOs. However, UFOs should not be confused with extraterrestrial life. UFOs are simply unidentified flying objects. There is a not-so-subtle difference between extraterrestrial life and unidentified flying objects and ranges common for drones and airplanes, including military aircraft, that are not immediately recognizable on our radar screens. The question of extraterrestrial life itself might be broken into several components of how we categorize life in the first place. For instance, we might think of intelligence on a gradient of intelligence relative to life forms that we humans recognize. Number one, on the lower end of the intelligence scale. We'll call this non-intelligent or low-intelligent life. Acknowledging the subjectivity of these categories, as well as the limitless number of possible subdivisions of intelligence, this category of life form might be akin to single-cell organisms like bacteria or viruses and even plants and vegetation such as trees with some limited ability to communicate with their species as well as the capability to take over other host organisms or environments. It's been argued that plants and trees in particular have the ability to send messages to fellow trees and other life forms within their ecosystems through chemical signals. For instance, when there are fires in a region or other air pollutants, some trees emit chemical signals notifying trees hundreds of miles away of the imminent danger. These signals are recognized by trees and some plants 
which can then modify their behavior to some degree by releasing protective chemicals or modifying their intake and consumption of air and even altering their own photosynthesis processes. If you haven't read The Overstory by Richard Power, If you haven't read The Overstory by Richard Powers, it comes highly recommended. Beyond our own planet, and touching a bit on the origin of life here on Earth, see the point below. Beyond our own planet, and touching a bit on the origin of life here on Earth, there are large amounts of frozen ice already identified on Mars that might have been liquid water previously. Life might have already existed and gone extinct already on Mars given the billions of years of time that have elapsed already in our solar system. Earth, for instance, is an estimated four and a half billion years old. The Curiosity rover from NASA for instance, has even uncovered the remains of a freshwater lake that existed only a few million years ago on Mars. Perhaps Martian bacteria even seeded bacterial life here on Earth, carried here by asteroids billions of years ago. The second category of intelligent life, one rung up, might be referred to as semi-intelligent life. This category might be akin to animals here on Earth. For instance, pigs are surprisingly some of the most social animals on the planet. See Charlotte's Web by E.B. White for confirmatory evidence. No, really. Pigs are some of the most social animals we know. And the way that animals are treated a lot of times as feedstock is... Uh, quite shameful given how social some of these animals are, particularly pigs that need a lot of uh, social interaction. And, you know, when they're harvested, they are basically put in single cell pens. But that's a story for another day. So most animals here on Earth are able to communicate with their own kind to some degree. Whales sing to one another thousands of miles away and are thought to even tell stories with these songs. Various insects trade messages through their antennae. Dogs bark, cats meow. Are there messages being transferred among them outside our wavelength of understanding? Perhaps, I'd venture to say likely. The next rung up of intelligent life we'll simply call intelligent life akin to what we think of as human intelligence. So human capabilities to communicate with one another has really enabled our kind to take over the world, for better and for worse. Our complex communication patterns enabled Homo sapiens to defeat and inbreed with Neanderthals only hundreds of thousands of years ago. Our communication and creativity have engendered a slew of religions all over the world, ranging from imaginative to fantastical to everything in between. This podcaster doesn't venture to argue which religion might be right, but simply wishes to point out that there are many religions and the human mind is responsible for creating 
many of them. Aside from religion, think about creative concepts like art or money or credit or even sports and football teams and and even countries. These concepts are really uh, invented to some degree in our minds and believed by enough people for them to carry real weight. We've been painting in caves for millions of years, trading goods and services for money for thousands of years, and creating and altering territorial boundaries of nations for just as many. Concepts like money and credit facilitate the global communication of humans through commerce and help fuel growth and technological advances. Art facilitates global human expression through symbolism and other beautiful patterns envisioned by the artist. Sports and football teams help unify a people of a particular region. Nations help bring together people of common culture and language. These concepts require a high degree of intelligence, which has separated humans from other forms of life here on Earth, and really allowed our kind to dominate the planet like no other life form to date. I'd highly recommend the book Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, by Yuval Noah Harari, if interested in exploring these concepts that make us uniquely human. The next rung up on the intelligence ladder we'll call superintelligent life. So superintelligent life might constitute life forms out there that are slightly more intelligent than human beings. These life forms might physically look like blue dominoes or orange bubbles for all we know, but their civilizations might be thought of as either being millions of years advanced from our modern, modern day civilizations or might simply be more highly developed with more complex communication systems. For instance, perhaps all of their particular species might be able to seamlessly communicate with one another through mind signals or other sorts of chemical signals akin to trees here on Earth with a richness that exceeds human language many-fold. This category of superintelligent life <clears throat> This category of superintelligent life forms likely inhabit their own planet or perhaps solar system, but have not yet ventured out of their solar systems as they might not have developed a way to really extend their biological lives or travel at the speed of light or faster, which would be required for interplanetary travel. The next rung up in the intelligent so the next rung up in categorizing intelligent life and for our purposes the highest form of life we'll call tongue in cheek the super duper intelligent life category. This category of possible life exceeding human intelligence, which would likely have <clears throat> So the final category of intelligent life for our purposes in the highest order uh, we'll call tongue-in-cheek here 
the super-duper intelligent life category. This category of life would exceed human intelligence and would likely have an ability to communicate with species beyond their own kind, both on their host planet or planets, as well as with life forms on nearby and not-so-nearby planets like ours. These super-duper intelligent life forms, the only category relevant to the Fermi Paradox, will have developed the ability to either extend their biological lives by millions of years or have achieved spaceflight at a speed equal to or greater than that of the speed of light. The lack of life forms falling into this intelligence category only in our nearby cosmic neighborhood might be the simple explanation for the Fermi Paradox which is the paradox that if there is intelligent life out there, why hasn't this intelligent life already reached out to us humans here on Earth? Another explanation is that life may have already existed at different points in time, you know. Another explanation is that life may have already existed at different points in time in the past across our universe and may exist in the future, long after humans are gone. The Drake Equation The Drake Equation was developed by the astrophysicist Frank Drake, who chairs the SETI Institute in California, which stands for the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute. The Drake Equation attempts to estimate the number of advanced civilizations in our own galaxy, the Milky Way. Drake uses simple probabilities to help organize our obviously true ignorance of the truth on extraterrestrial life. For instance, he estimates that the number of life forms based on the number of habitable planets For instance, he attempts to estimate the number of life forms based on the number of inhabitable planets. The number of habitable planets is simply a percentage range of the total planets. The total number of planets itself is based on the number of stars in our galaxy. Of course, the number of galaxies is an extraordinary figure, which by many estimates is still growing, even exponentially. Each sub-possibility, the number of galaxies, the number of stars, the number of solar systems, the number of Earth-like planets, etc., is a derivative of the other. So this Drake equation is more of a big fat guess in all fairness as life in any intelligence range may exist in conditions that have nothing to do with water or require DNA and Earth-like concepts of life. The most abundant elements in the universe happen to be nitrogen, helium, oxygen, neon, nitrogen, and magnesium. The atmospheres of foreign planets include a broad mix. The atmospheres of foreign planets include a broad mix and range of these common elements, as well as many not-so-common elements. 
While we might imagine other life forms being composed of carbon like us, there's no requirement for it. Humans are composed of around 12% carbon, which helps form components like muscle, fats, and proteins. Other life forms may be composed of may just 5% carbon, or maybe 25% carbon, or some other ratio entirely. Notably, carbon is a key building block of DNA, which may improve the likelihood of diversity and genetic mutation leading to development over time. So perhaps this highest category of intelligent life, which we'll call super-duper intelligent beings, are composed of 30% carbon rather than 12% like us. This could allow their evolutionary rates to be much higher than ours. Applying some of the analysis from Frank Drake and several other astrophysicists like Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson, two of the greatest, uh, and applying this podcaster's thoughts around probability of life in these various categories described above, and again, these categories from lowest life form intelligence to highest will bucket as non-intelligent slash low intelligent life, semi-intelligent life, intelligent life, super intelligent life, and super duper intelligent life. Applying these Applying the Frank Applying the Frank Drake equation with analysis from Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson, this podcaster arrived at the probability of life in our Milky Way galaxy and nearby galaxies as 75% in the non-intelligent, low-intelligent life category. Again, this category is like viruses and bacteria, single-celled organisms. Semi-intelligent life might be around 7.5%. Again, semi-intelligent life would be things like plants and simple life forms that are multicellular but lack strong cognitive abilities. The probability of the third category, intelligent life, akin to human intelligent life, might be something on the order of 0.75%. The next highest category of superintelligent life, again, these are beings who can communicate well within their own species and perhaps outside of their own species, but they haven't quite developed the technology to travel at the speed of light or extend their biological lives to be able to reach other planets. This form of life might be estimated at 0.075% in our Milky Way galaxy and nearby galaxies. The final form, the highest form of intelligent life, the super-duper intelligent life, We'll pin here at 0.0075%. And again, these are beings that are more advanced than us, have the ability to communicate within their own species and with other species, perhaps through ESP-type signals, 
and also have the ability to extend their biological lives and travel at the speed of light or faster. Of course, these percentages only grow the further we extend our net beyond our own very common galaxy. To give further credence to these probabilities, we now have evidence that there is a significant amount of water on Mars, which is a simple planet within our own tiny solar system. In fact, there's enough frozen ice that's already been detected on the surface of Mars to cover the entire Martian planet with water to a depth of over 100 feet, that's 30 meters, if the surface of Mars were a bit hotter, which it might have been previously. There's also a significant amount of water in the form of ice trapped beneath a layer of frozen carbon dioxide on Mars's south pole. You can see a link on GoCheesy.com's website in the entertainment and technology sections on water on Mars. According to NASA.gov, scientists estimate that there are 10 to 100 billion solar systems in our Milky Way galaxy alone. In fact, scientists have already discovered 500 of these solar systems with current telescopes, such as the now-retired Kepler Space Telescope. Assuming there are 10 planets per solar system, there are 100 billion to 1 trillion planets in our galaxy alone. Building on Frank Drake's general methodology, we've assigned probabilities of life forms above and assuming there are 10 planets per solar system, there are 100 billion to 1 trillion planets in our galaxy alone. Building on Frank Drake's general methodology, and assigning probabilities of life forms above takes a 10x down factoring approach and a 10x up factoring approach based on the particular category of life form discussed. Simply put, for each of these higher orders of life, the probability has simply been reduced by 10x for each higher level order to account for the higher number of chance events required take place in order to achieve higher and higher intelligence. <sighs> UFOs in Hollywood. As noted above, UFOs are simply unidentified flying objects and do not signify aliens but seem to take up a lot of oxygen on the subject of extraterrestrial life. For instance, the New York Times dropped a quote-unquote bombshell in 2017 that acknowledged a $22 million program run out of the Pentagon for identifying various UFOs. Rumors about Area 51 have been turned into endless TV series like The X-Files and major Hollywood blockbusters like Independence Day with Will Smith, Bill Pullman, and Jeff Goldblum. If you'd like to rewatch the If you'd like to rewatch this coming Independence Day, it's easily streamable now on Hulu, Google Play, and Amazon Prime.
There's even a sequel to Independence Day called Resurgence, featuring some of the original actors like Bill Pullman and Jeff Goldblum, along with some new stars like Liam Hemsworth and some of the up-and-coming stars like Micah Monroe. You can stream Independence Day Resurgence on YouTube, Google Play, or Amazon Prime, but fair warning that the sequel only gets 30% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5 out of 10 on IMDb. I personally believe UFOs are simply common spacecraft viewed from weird camera angles along with diverse atmospheric gases and debris obfuscating the images themselves rather than aliens flying around in saucers visiting and surveilling us lesser beings. Perhaps I'm wrong, and they are surveilling us like ants running around on our little hills, going to our funny little meetings and doing our funny little yoga, spin, and hit classes. U.S. presidents like Barack Obama have been coy about Area 51 and the presence of aliens, going as far as mentioning to Stephen Colbert that he even personally asked about the presence of UFOs while in office. Donald Trump, notably, has been a big proponent of space exploration and taking a control. <clears throat> Donald Trump, notably, has been a big proponent of space exploration and taking a controlling presence in the sky through the U.S. Space Force, which operates technically as a division of the Department of the Air Force. It goes nearly without saying that the modern era space race is between Elon Musk and SpaceX, Jeff Bezos, which is Blue Origin, and Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic. And as of now, Elon Musk is in a big lead with SpaceX. If you're looking for one of the best streaming shows, Cosmos, A Space-Time Odyssey is probably the best and can be streamed on YouTube or on Amazon. It used to be on Netflix. If you're interested in digging into concepts like black holes, multiverses, and other related topics on the galaxies and stars, you might want to read Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Carl Sagan's protege, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who many of us know from the streaming show Cosmos highlighted above, also has a great book on the cosmos. DeGrasse Tyson's book is meant for us busy earthlings who are interested in the topic but don't have all the space-time in the world. Pardon the pun. The book is aptly titled Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. You might also check out Neil DeGrasse Tyson on one of Joe Rogan's podcasts. So, whether or not there are aliens out there is anyone's guess. We can rely on science and probabilities to some degree to quantify to a small or tiny degree what we know and what we don't know. Even if we were to appropriately categorize what we know and what we don't know, that would only include the known knowns and the known unknowns. What about the unknown unknowns? How many unknown unknowns are there anyway? Your guess is as good as mine. Feel free to share this podcast with friends who might be interested in 
joining the hunt for aliens, or might be generally curious about space and science. Stay tuned for parts two and three, uh, which will... <clears throat> Stay tuned for parts two... Thanks for tuning in to part one of Are Aliens Real? The Hunt for Extraterrestrial Life. Stay tuned for parts two and three, where we'll explore the Fermi Paradox in more depth, take a look at what space travel might require, and dig into some of the most recent planetary discoveries and how these might influence some of the analysis and probabilities of various forms of extraterrestrial life existing in our nearby cosmos. Thanks all. See you next time. Don't forget to subscribe. <clears throat> Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time for episodes 2 and episodes 3 in our hunt for extraterrestrial life. Thanks everybody.